This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. Okay. Uh, first, we got to give you a couple little tidbits of info, mm-hmm. such as I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I taught Sunday school. I sang in the worship band. I am now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it's not appropriate for children because we cuss a bunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. And I'm reading the New Revised Standard Version of Bible. Is there anything else the people need to know? There's one more thing, which is that we have a very special guest today. Yes. So with us in the studio is Dr. Christopher Stroop, a.k.a. Chris, a.k.a. Stroopy, which is what we call him in this household. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as uh, we discussed on a previous episode, once a nickname is given, it cannot be taken yeah, back. Yeah, that's why Patricia Lockwood, well, the foremost poet of our generation, is TT in this household. Mm-hmm. This isn't Nam, you know, there are rules. Uh, uh, I totally get that reference, and I've seen all the good movies. Um, <laughs> Chris, would you care to explain yourself? Well, that... Who are you, and why <laughs> what, are you here? What is a Chris, really? <laughs> I didn't know you were going to get so cosmological about it. I um, am a writer and a scholar. I have a PhD in Russian history from Stanford University. I also grew up in the Christian right, um, so pretty hardline evangelical Christian school kid. I was on the uh, judges episode of Sunday School Dropouts. Yes, as you were. Some listeners may recall I talked a little bit about how we read that book in my sophomore Bible class in high school with um, a very memorable teacher. Uh, you can find my work at chrisdroop.com. My blog there is called Not Your Mission Field. I've also written quite a bit for Religion Dispatches. Some of my stuff's been picked up by Salon and Alternet. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Stroop. We're not at the plugs yet, Chris. Oops. <laughs> Get out of Sorry. this studio. I totally fucked it up. <laughs> um, yeah. So Chris is uh, a writer and a, and a teacher. And, and longtime friend of the show. Oh. And longtime friend of the show. Yeah, I do currently teach at the University of South Florida. Had a postdoc there for the last two years. Now I'm in a visiting instructor position in the Honors College. So that would be in Tampa, one of America's okayest cities, I would say. There you have it. A, an original college boy here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, today we're talking about the book of Philippians. As little as we possibly can. <laughs> it's a short book. There's not a lot in it. But we'll definitely talk about it at some point. Um, Chris, we have had you on the show once before on the Judges episode. And I know you um, you explained a bit about your religious background there. And you've just given us a little bit right now. But um, would you care to go into a little more detail? Sure. Um, so I grew up um, in, a, in a number of different denominations, but they were all very conservative. So the first churches that we attended when I was a small kid were Baptist. And then we attended a Wesleyan church, then an independent Christian church. And then ultimately, we kind of got involved with that whole megachurch-inspired non-denominational movement. You know, same shitty theology, but you make it relevant. <laughs> and church is a rock show, and you call the bulletin a program, and you call the sermon a message, and you use phrases like seeker-sensitive and not your grandma's church. Mm. <laughs> um, so we didn't care that much about denominations. That's just like all churches in California, by the way. <laughs> Good to know. You're Good like, well, know. you're describing them like, yeah, that's a normal church. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, I'm so, fascinated yeah. by the idea of Wesleyan church, though. I assume it's small, liberal, 
the focus on you, the... Everybody majors mm-hmm. in English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Wesleyan churches come out of the holiness tradition. Um, I mean, so it's, it's John Wesley. It's the, you know, the Methodism has roots in the same tradition, but these holiness churches that have come out of that Methodist tradition are more hardline than, say, United Methodists. So another one is the Church of the Nazarene, for example. Mm. Um, yeah, we're very familiar with that one. So generally, they believe in free will if you want to talk about doctrine. Um, they're not Calvinists, but they're really hardline in terms of the rules that they follow. Got it. I was just hope I was just fishing for a cheap joke, but you know, <laughs> well, it, thank good you info. for giving us actual knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'd say that you know, questions of free will versus uh, predestination and that kind of stuff were not really that important to my family. Um, but taking the Bible as inerrant, as basically literal, was and the, what the focus tends to be um, in these kinds of Christian groups would be then on right wing politics and culture wars. You know, so. You really focus on those parts of the Bible that you use to try to justify opposition to abortion and LGBT rights. So it's like, all right, God leaves some things kind of obscure when it comes to the theology, guys, but we can make Church a Rock Show and we can like all oppose gay rights together. It's interesting. I mean, the Bible is definitely against gay rights, but that's not a very big part of it. Well, I would say it's a very tiny part of it. <laughs> and yeah, and you can even make an argument that it's not really because these could be temple prostitutes or people in ex- exploitative right. situations. Right. Does the Bible ever say anything about abortion explicitly? Explicitly, no, but there is... I know there's rules in the Torah about if right. like, you cause a woman to miscarry. Right, mm-hmm. But there's, there's a penalty for that, but it's not the same as the penalty for killing an adult. That's right. Right. Someone who's already born. Right. Which uh, I don't. It seems like it's weird that to take something that actually isn't even mentioned in the Bible and make that the main thing. It is of weird. Your church. <laughs> it's historically weird too, because for uh, you know conservative Protestants, this is historically new. Right. It used to be Catholics were against abortion, but mm-hmm. Protestants were against abortion after after the quickening. Right. That's the traditional. Uh, cutoff point. I I guess so. Yeah. But I mean, they did not really obsess about abortion in general until the 1970s and even more so in the 80s. Uh, it kind of happened. Oh, what a decade. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of happened when um, it was becoming uncomfortable for them to explicitly oppose the civil rights movement. They and needed a new, <laughs> a new no, really. issue. They did. They did. I or argue- them. <laughs> when it's uncomfortable to oppose civil rights. <laughs> I would argue that abortion functions for them basically as a kind of defensive fetish in Lacanian terms. And as I commented earlier, I am kind of sweating like Slavoj Zizek right now. <laughs> like this new deodorant, is that, the antiperspirant part's not working. But sorry, that's too much information. But uh, yeah, you know, we don't we don't say that we don't say the <laughs> yeah we don't word use the, the, <laughs> the persp word. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about Slavoj Zizek. <laughs> yes, well, you know, Zizek, I guess that's more the Z word. Zizek engages in this kind of popular Lacanian analysis, right? So let's talk about white evangelicals who want to be respectable, middle class and up or whatever. They have a college degree, uh, but they don't want to believe certain things that are demonstrably demonstrable (laughs) that are demonstrable let's put it that way okay they have their christian alternative facts right so uh they'll try to they'll try to show that they're sort of nice or moderate or thinking about things like well i have a gay friend but i can't vote for democrats because of abortion right so it's always that but abortion because abortion yeah it functions as as a fetish that keeps them from having to actually examine themselves in a serious critical way i definitely saw on facebook during the election season a lot of people a lot of christians uh, on your on your comment sections too um who would say like well i hate trump but abortion Mm -hmm. so i gotta vote for him yeah and um that way they they try to get off the hook for continuing to support white supremacy i mean as you also know they basically disavow any kind of culpability in anything systemically. They refuse to reason systemically about anything yes. except for original sin. <laughs> what are you going to do? Now, you have read the Bible all the way through, correct? Uh, yes, I did read the Bible all the way through when I was about 16 years old. That's the only time I read it straight through cover to cover. I think it took me about a year, maybe a little less. 
Uh, I read it in the NIV at that time. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what evangelicals do. But when I go back and I read the Bible, parts of the Bible for various purposes now, for example, this podcast, I tend to read the New Revised Standard Version. Um, that's Nikos. I thought you were going to Should get... I be excited? Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, your team. I didn't invent it. <laughs> well, I don't get royalties. I, mean, I don't get those sweet zits. <laughs> people who read the NRSV are a grand falloon anyway. So. I don't know what that means. It's a Kurt Vonnegut reference. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so you're both a Hooser and an NRSV. Hooser is, of course, the original Grand Falloon. Indeed. And uh, what are your what are your Bible thoughts in general? <laughs> nice one. <laughs> What's your opinion Regular of the Bible? Terry Gross over here. <laughs> this is how Terry Gross sounds when she has also had several glasses of wine. Lauren and I are drinking a rosé, yeah. but I just like to say that we're pretty much being basic white girls tonight. And um, it's... That's extremely insulting. Rosé is the drink of queens. Uh, and Nico is drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Boo. Yeah, I'll, I'll join the anti-beer team. <laughs> uh, tell us about your Bible thoughts. Right. Well, I, if I remember correctly, reading the Bible straight through at age 16 uh, sort of precipitated a crisis of faith for you. That's exactly right. It did precipitate a crisis of faith that dragged on for approximately 20 years. <laughs> And, uh, you know, back when I was in grad school here in California at Stanford, um, I used to tell people that my hobby was having existential crises. Hi, you know, I used to say that my hobby was wrestling with God <laughs> <laughs> So uh, when you know, I was having my own crisis of faith. As the Russians say in every joke, there is a grain of joke. <laughs> That's a good one. Good job, Russia. <laughs> uh, right. So... Um, I couldn't kind of make it hold together in the way it was supposed to. We were taught that there were no errors in the Bible, at least in the original manuscripts. That also meant that it had to be entirely coherent and non-contradictory. Um, so at that time, I I started to have these serious doubts, some about more profound things, you know, theology seeming to be contradictory, um, some about things like, you know, justification of genocide in the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, the little things. <laughs> Uh, sometimes it would just be like, well, wait, but in Chronicles, they gave like this number of troops that did whatever. Mm. And in Kings, they gave a different number. Uh, so I went to talk to this pastor about it. He lived in our neighborhood. He was the pastor of our church at that time. He eventually taught Bible at our uh, Christian school as well. And he seemed to be kind of understanding at first that, okay, people have doubts. And he gave me some apologetics book to read. Apologetics being basically like the intellectual defense of the faith and Right. I use the term intellectual loosely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when when we hear the word apologetics or apologia, it sounds like it's apologizing. It sounds like they're already starting on the wrong foot. Yeah, but that's (laughs) not that's not really what it means. Like it's from the Greek. Are we going to the etymology corner? Great, (laughs) great (laughs) man, don't apologize. Just look at our president. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's not. Let's (laughs) block him out of our minds forever. Um. Yeah, I just, if, for anyone who's not familiar with that term, it sounds like it's like it's apologizing and, and admitting that there's like this big problem, but that's <laughs> not what it means. Right. In the original Greek, I guess it means defense. Uh, as I said, I use the word intellectual loosely here because sometimes for an evangelical apologetics, it's I mean, it's really ridiculous. Sometimes it's really on the level of like, look at how perfectly shaped bananas are for yes, human consumption. Yes, an atheist nightmare! <laughs> I always call bananas an atheist nightmare and nobody ever understands what I'm talking about and they think I'm crazy. And you know what's funny about that? Is that, uh, I mean, you know, like, pretty much probably every American you know uh, peels a banana from the little, like, tabby part. From right? the wrong side, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... In some many other countries, for example, Russia, like most people peel bananas from the other side. That's how chimps do it. That's too. how chimps do it. <laughs> and they use the tab, what I like to call the tab, because it's like opening a pop can, except yeah. it's a banana, you know. But they use I the guess, tab as like a popsicle wait, stick. I just said pop. I should say soda now. I'm supposed <laughs> to be like all sophisticated and not really. Okay. No, pop is very folksy <laughs> and cute. It gives you like a down home charm. I am, you know, I'm always going to be from Indiana. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> um,. So, yeah, they use it as a handle. It can yeah. be a tab or a handle. So, like, if this is so obvious that, like, we should believe in God because of it, <laughs> why do chimps do it in a different way from Americans? And that's how out of touch we are with our roots. Yeah. In America. It's true. That's how privileged we are that we can peel bananas the wrong way. Everybody can afford to peel the banana the wrong way mm-hmm. in America. And the streets are paved with cheese. That's right. <laughs> or banana peels. Or banana peels. What, uh, oh, yeah, so the Bible and apologetics. <laughs> so the Bible. 
Uh, yeah, so this apologetics book, it wasn't one of the famous ones. I mean, if you're from these evangelical or ex-evangelical circles, like you will have heard of C.S. Lewis. Lewis. He's an, that's, you know, he's an older generation, but everybody reads him. He's like one of the intellectual founding fathers for this kind of Christianity. That was the little lion guy, right? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah, he, you know, he could write some decent children's books. I liked them. I liked them too. <laughs> I liked them because they were Christian when I was a kid. I was like, this lion... That's definitely Jesus. And he, that was always, rules. he was always like, it's totally not an <laughs> Put allegory, him on the board. you guys, but it totally was. But it totally so, was. Yeah. I could understand that as like an eight-year-old. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it wasn't C.S. Lewis, wasn't Lee Strobel, wasn't Josh McDowell. So I don't even remember what it was, but it was in a question and answer format. And so I read this apologetics book and then I like went back and I talked to him a week or two later and I was like, you know, these answers just like they weren't really that satisfactory to me. I still have doubts. And then the problem became about me. So all of a sudden it's like mm. he said, you must be harboring some sin in your life. Yeah, must be. You are probably opening yourself up to demonic influences. This pastor uh, really, he believed he had seen a demon at least once. Like his family sp- spends Halloween praying against demons. Like they believe demonic activity is very, very real. So did everyone I grew up with. That's so crazy. That's like. That was so not a part of my Christian upbringing, you know. You're missing out. (laughs) I mean, it might have been kind of (laughs) cool. You missed out on, I guess, those like totally awesome fall festivals that they have at Baptist churches instead of Halloween. Yes, we. I just had the regular old Halloween festivals, (laughs) went and won a goldfish. The goldfish lived for 15 years. Did it really? Yeah. Damn. His name was Percoles. (laughs) That's how my little brother pronounced Hercules at the time. Are you sure that goldfish wasn't a demon? (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, it lived so long that mm-hmm. it might have been. How how was your childhood while that fish was alive? Like quite bad. <laughs> like very frightening and stressful. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> now it's dead and you're doing well. That's true. It's <gasps> I wonder what happened to Okay, that fish was in my mom's freezer forever. What? Mm-hmm. But my mom just moved. Do you think it was still in there? Yes, and Why I wonder what happened to it. Freeze the demon fish. The fish was in the freezer for literally like at least ten years. I'm Why? not even joking. <laughs> I don't know. I would go over there every single time. I would like open the freezer and be like, "The fish is still in here. <laughs> Percolies is still here." Was she gonna eat him? Like I honestly don't know, Mom. Please explain. <laughs> we'll please, take our answer off the air. Please write into the show and explain. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, but so we also were allowed to trick-or-treat on Halloween. So we got to do, like, the fall festivals and the trick-or-treating. So it was, like, extra candy. But we could not wear scary costumes. And we were not allowed to say trick-or-treat because that would be, like, threatening people. Oh, my, yes. And that was a sin. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to say happy Halloween. That's like on Holy Heretics. They talked about how at their Christian school they, like, played volleyball, but they weren't allowed to spike because that (laughs) that wouldn't be Christian. (laughs) Is there a whole field of... Like sports where the rules are made Christian? I guess. What? <laughs> that makes that so weird. Like basketball where you can't steal the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Stealing is a you, sin. You have to call it something like, you know, politely removing. <laughs> you can't covet your neighbor's ball. Mm. No, you can totally covet your neighbor's ball. I mean, my Christian high school is like a pretty big one. We had decent sports teams. Oh, really? Yeah. They did not. Despite their inability to steal or tackle. <laughs> this was not a thing at my Christian school. Okay, well, that's good. That's sure. good. Young that's Earth good. creationism was a thing, but the, changing the rules to sports was not. Um, So, like, what did you dress up as for Halloween? Oh, boy. Um, Demons. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally not enough. I remember one year in early childhood, I was a rabbit. One time I was, like, kind of this... Uh, or are you sure you want some sort of lago morph? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's right. <laughs> That's what a rabbit is. It's a lagomorph. Good to know. <laughs> um, tiger one time. Um, yeah, you could be. So I just mean, animals. I like animals. I, <laughs> animals are nice. I mean, some of them try to eat you, but you like know. tigers and rabbits. Mm-hmm. But rabbits don't try to eat you unless they're in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, and okay, so this pastor, what happened if um, you had, if you were open to demonic influence? Well, that kind of, you know, that kind of freaked me out. I mean, I consider this a serious incident of spiritual abuse at this point. I was worried about it. I was also 
reading too much Paul at that time. Uh, Any how, Paul how is much too is much too Paul. Much, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I was having a hard time. I thought that the whole concept of predestination kind of made human life meaningless. But I was having trouble reading Paul, particularly Romans, in any other way. So I was like, what if Calvinism is true and I'm just like part of the reprobate? Or, you know, it was around this time that I also thought I had committed the unpardonable sin, that I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I had like a palpable lump of anxiety in my chest for a week. I was afraid I was going to hell no matter what I did. And if you're going to hell, like, it doesn't matter. It's like in Faust, you know? It doesn't matter how long right. of a time you have on Earth. Like, eternity... Nothing compares to eternity. Right. Mm. So it was scary. Just and, like Prince sang, lo those many years ago. <laughs> and uh, I, I did things like smash an Our Lady Peace CD with a hammer because I thought maybe it was a demonic influence. Wow. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the demonic influences were or could what be. Were some other, what were some other candidates? Uh, so, oh, this is so embarrassing. Oh, my God. This is like. Please divulge it to our several thousand listeners. <laughs> well. Okay, my grandma is dead, so that makes me feel less bad because she so won't can rule her out yeah. <laughs> because she won't hear it. Because my grandma's troop had given me like uh, a set of uh, carved faces painted with the masks from um, like Japanese opera. Oh, oh, cool! And yeah, it was really neat. But then I thought, well, maybe that's pagan, and maybe that's demonic, so maybe I have to smash it. What were grandma's troop's beliefs? Um, Grandma Stroop was very live and let live, open-minded. Oh, that's nice. Did you smash the, did you smash her nice gift? I tried to, didn't smash very well. Oh. <laughs> that's how you know craftsmanship. No, that's how you know it's demons. <laughs> oh, really? Demon craftsmanship. I didn't have, you know, a basilisk tooth on hand or something like that. Some other yeah. sort of horcrux <laughs> device. Yeah, something that can get rid of horcruxes. Um, so your main, your main approach to getting rid of demonic influences was was smashing smashing i mean i only smashed like two things okay mm. or i tried to okay but i did go there for a while like in the depths <laughs> of smashville my... <laughs> in the depths of my extremist despair like you know i didn't it's like the opposite of retail therapy <laughs> <laughs> Except, like for completely the wrong reasons <laughs> this is all kind of embarrassing to talk about now it was well, well, we appreciate you telling the truth, yeah. I right. assume. <laughs> Unless you come on here and make a mockery of us and our show by lying to our faces. <laughs> uh, no, this is this is true. His um, face is way too sheepish <laughs> to be lying. I need another drink of wine. Let's <laughs> drink some more rosé. The drink of queens. Um, okay, so should we talk about Philippians? Well, we. I mean, we could say, so what... At that particular time in your life, you were reading a lot of Paul. Like what, I mean, what attracted you about Paul at that time? You know, we had to read a lot of the Bible for various classes that we took. I don't remember exactly why I was reading through Romans um, around this time. So, I mean, the timeline is a little bit fuzzy in my head. And maybe from some old journals, maybe I could put it together in a little bit of a more concrete way. All these things were happening. Around- we're not going to fact check you, don't worry. <laughs> mm-hmm. All these things were happening around the same time. So it could have been that I was reading Paul on assignment, or it could have just been that well, I mean, I was also sometimes just trying to find, figure things out, right? So I would go back and read certain parts of the Bible that spoke to a certain issue. I mean, I really, I was the kind of morbid kid who really freaked out about questions of, say, free will versus predestination. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a spooky subject, no matter your age, if you think seriously I mean, about it. That is something that like fascinated, like all of American literature for mm-hmm. like decades was about this issue so it is a compelling one we're a morbid people (laughs) american christians (laughs) yeah i mean they are they're they're obsessed with death they're very afraid of it conservative christians at least with good reason we all are this was actually really fear death i was just remembering a song that we used to sing in church when i was a kid that one of the lines was you're not ready to live until you're ready to die Mm. and i remember being a kid and being like I'm eight years old. I'm not ready to die. <laughs> and then I would be like, well, that, that means I'm not a, that means I don't truly believe in Jesus. That means I'm going to hell, Ugh. you know? <laughs> yeah. It's such, it's just such an abusive system that you, I mean, it, it socializes you into this mentality that just causes, if you are a sensitive kid, I mean, you just completely freak out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we also memorized a lot of verses from Paul. We memorize a lot of verses in general. That's something that conservative Protestants do. 
But rereading Philippians, I remembered how many of them are from Philippians, you know, because I honestly couldn't remember exactly what was in Philippians, except for Philippians 4.13, that reference stuck in my head. But when I read back through the book, I realized a lot of, a lot of the verses were in my head. I had just forgotten the references. So something that I've discovered, I also had to memorize a lot of Bible verses growing up. Memorize them in in extremely like granular ways. Like you would just memorize three sentences and you wouldn't read around it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and something that I realize now doing this podcast is that like most of what Paul wrote about is circumcision. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's a few lines in there about love and then everybody has to memorize lines about love. I mean, I don't know about most of what he, <laughs> he wrote about. He wrote about a lot of abstract things as well. Did you um, did you have any experience like that of realizing like the the verses you have to memorize aren't necessarily in context and and aren't even necessarily particularly representative of of the book? I mean, I guess I guess so. Um, I heard in a lot of evangelical sermons that we should be reading the Bible in context, and so you don't want to take verses totally out of context. And that contradicts the practice a bit because you know in practice you very much do. Right. Certain verses are used all the time as justifications for this or that. And then the context does kind of drop away unless you go a little bit deeper with it. Um, and of course, there are certain verses that are always associated with the so-called plan for salvation, you know, or the Romans road. Um, well, I've never heard of either of those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you explain those? Um, of course, there's John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal, eternal life. life. <laughs> yeah. Or everlasting life. So that one, honestly, I memorized as a pretty young child in uh, an Awana program that was at a Baptist church that our friends down the street went to. So that's why I memorized that one in the King James instead of the, uh... instead of the NIV. But anyway, so that is often used for proselytizing, trying to convert people. But there are also really important verses in Romans that are used to sort of show the, the, the kind of Protestant notion of salvation by grace through faith. You know, Romans 3.23, for example, for all have sinned and fall short of, of the, the glory, glory of God, God <laughs> uh, is a verse that we got a lot, this yeah. emphasis on um, this uh, supposed fact that, you know, no one escapes sin, right? So everyone needs salvation. So, right, you know, I mean, like in these kind of tracks and stuff, they'll use a lot of verses from Romans to kind of take people through the plan of salvation. The plan for salvation and the and the Romans road. Oh, oh it's all making sense now. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. But I mean, the names, relatively. The names make sense. Path to salvation and Romans road sound like the name of like secret military operations to me. Uh, uh, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. I'm going to Google Romans road. I think road. they sound like, video game subtitles <laughs> sure 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 like metal gear eight romans roads romans roads yeah path of salvation <laughs> yeah i so on gotquestions.org uh, my favorite website <laughs> there is a question it is labeled question colon then in quotation marks what is the romans road to salvation answer colon the Romans Road to Salvation is a way of explaining the good news of salvation using verses from the Book of Romans. It is a simple yet powerful method of explaining why we need salvation, how God provided salvation, how we can receive salvation, and what are the results of salvation. You guys, I totally remembered there the first one. Simple, Romans 3, simple yet powerful. Romans 3.23 is the first one. You have to say that everybody is a horrible sinner. <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> and then it's Romans 3.10 through 18... Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8. All right. I Other, think we can yeah, stop we, we, taking <laughs> steps down the Romans road. Simple yet powerful, like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Should we take a break and then, I don't know, come back and maybe discuss the actual book that we read? Yes. So we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear some music, and we'll be back in about a minute. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, 
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And, and we're Chris. Chris. <laughs> Stop stepping on my lines. My job, damn it. <laughs> on thin ice, mister. <laughs> special guest today is Chris Stroop. Now you can introduce yourself. Hi. <laughs> Sorry I fucked up your podcast again. <laughs> and we are talking about the book of Philippians. It's somewhere in the New Testament. Uh-huh. See if you can find it. <laughs> I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> and I'm going to give you some fast facts about it. Number one, it's another Pauline fucking epistle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it is a letter to the church in Philippi, which is a city in Greece. Um, it probably really was written by Paul, which we'll get into a little more later, um, while he was in jail. However, he was in jail a bunch of times, so we're not exactly sure he which He was time. such a martyr. Ugh, and he loved every <laughs> second of it. Mm -hmm. So this could have been, he could have been in Rome. He could have been in Ephesus. He could have even been in Caesarea. We're not sure. Um, it was probably written sometime around 60 A.D. or thereabouts. And uh, as we saw in a, in a previous epistle, I can't remember which one it was, uh, Timothy is like maybe like kind of a co-author here. It's kind of like addressed. It's it's signed like from Paul and Timothy. Mm -hmm. um, but we're, it's kind of ambiguous about like to what degree he played a role. I definitely see Paul's voice here. Uh, I don't really know how, how much Timothy was involved, if at all. Yeah, I mean, I never really thought about Timothy possibly being involved in this when we read it in school. You know, it's just like, I guess Timothy was with him. Yeah. So he's, you know, from Paul and Timothy at yeah. the beginning. That's what it seems like to me. Um, That's where the Christmas card is? From Paul and Timothy? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Best wishes. But like, obviously, Grace Paul did all the work. It's like the husband never does anything about the Christmas cards, right? Like the mm. wife does all of it. She books the photographer blah, he puts, the money. Wait, are he you puts saying, the money on the table are you saying paul is timothy's wife obviously <laughs> otherwise he wouldn't be so fucking insecure about <laughs> husbands and wives so chapter one starts with the standard greeting about how christianity rocks mm -hmm. and like uh paganism drools or whatever yeah <laughs> Shout outs um, to all my saints out and there. And he's like. Couldn't have done without God. He's like, yes, I am in jail right now, but don't worry. I won't shut up about Jesus. <laughs> and everyone here is very sick of me already. Don't worry. And I might die, but I might not die. It's all going to be fine. Yeah. And he's like, I I'm not afraid to die because I want to hang out with the big man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it would also be cool to like keep living so that I could keep bugging everyone about Jesus. It would be more useful for you yeah. if I stay alive. So it's like, you So God's going to like keep tough me alive. Call. Um. He calls on the Philippians to imitate Christ by being very selfless and humble. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourselves. He promises to send Timothy to visit Philippi. Mm -hmm. That's um, like the ultimate reward is to meet Timothy. It's weird, right? He's always promising to send Timothy to these places. But I don't know if it's a reward because... He's usually writing an epistle to like scold a church mm -hmm. or like try to get them to be more obedient. So I kind of feel like he's like threatening to send him. Yeah. Oh. You know, it's like the branch manager is coming over, you know, Philippians whatever. is kind of an exception in that sense, though, isn't it? That's because true. he seems like pretty happy with them, except he's like, well, there's this one dispute that he mentions at one point. He's like, you guys should get these ladies to get along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he also implies that he needs money at the end of it. But we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, like he, he totally does, but he doesn't. Because he can be content <laughs> in all Paul, circumstances. That's how Paul always talks about he money. He is such a manipulator. <laughs> I, even, I even wrote in my notes, like, it gets just like a little prosperity gospel-ish yeah, toward the he's end. He's always just a little, he's still just walking that line. But, you know, the prosperity gospel is worse. I mean, Paul didn't actually say, like, God has chosen to give me a private jet. Yeah, Paul did not he's no subscribe Benny, to Joel Osteen's he's no Benny podcast. Hinn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he also says he's going to send a, another guy named Epaphroditus. Mm -hmm. Great name. Sounds a little like a medical condition, <laughs> which is appropriate because apparently Epaphroditus was very ill and he was thought they thought he was going to die. But uh, he didn't. I Great story. Better. He got better. <laughs> and uh, now he's cool to go visit Philippi. Um, in chapter three, we know this is definitely Paul writing because 
Here's the requisite freak out about circumcision. <laughs> this one is the, is the one of the more straightforward freak outs he has. Yeah, it he is. He pretty much lays it all on a table. Um, he says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Mm. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship <laughs> by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Basically meaning, well, people who are circumcised are confident that God will save them because of that. When really, they it's all about the spiritual foreskin. It's all about the spiritual foreskin. And even he even goes on to say, "I'm embarrassed that I was circumcised." Yes, he was circumcised at at eight days old in as according to Jewish custom, um, but he considers it quote a loss for the sake of Christ, who Christ was by the way also circumcised at eight days old <laughs> and never talked about circumcision, at least as we know from the Gospels. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, Paul enumerates all these things, these, these reasons that he has to be confident in the flesh or boast in the flesh, right? Depending on translation. He's like, you guys think you have shit to brag about? Like, I can brag about so many more things than you. But I consider it all loss for Christ. Yes. He's so humble. So humble. Here are the things I could brag about. Like, Let me okay, give you a detailed the list. The Pauline epistles are like extremely humble braggy. Yes. That's like a really defining are. feature, I feel like. Absolutely. Um, He talks a lot about, you know, like I want to die and be resurrected in heaven. I'm focused on the next life. Not this one, except when it comes to your genitalia. That is something you definitely need to think about in this life. The first intactivist. We have, right? we have we have described him we have described him as the first of right? Yeah. Um he says people who don't believe in Jesus uh their destiny is destruction their god is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Mm. You could have a worse god. Their mind is on earthly things. Yeah. I, yeah, I like the idea. I feel like I mean, as an atheist, I feel like my stomach does actually dictate a lot of my behavior. I feel like eating tasty food is like a pretty high, uh, pretty high on the list of motivations for me. <laughs> I mean, it really has so many benefits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it keeps you running for yeah. another day. And like Twizzlers, there's no uh, no downside to eating a bag of Twizzlers. Yeah, sure, just literally two pounds of Twizzlers yeah. in a single sitting. Yeah. yeah. And you know, as they said in that pamphlet you got from the city of San Francisco when you got married, yes. make sure to get enough folic acid. Yeah, folic acid. It's super important. <laughs> As far as I remember, Twizzlers are packed with the shit. <laughs> yeah, Twizzlers are like a main source of folic acid. By the way, congratulations on your marriage. Oh, thank you. I thought you were going to say, congratulations on your high folic acid. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't I'm... have those numbers, but I'm very willing to believe <laughs> that tell... both of you have very high folic acid counts. <laughs> you can just tell by the glow in our skin yeah. and the sparkle in our eyes that we are rich in folic acid. <laughs> it's coursing through our gonads. Um, <laughs> Um, and then we get to this part where he tells, he, where he's talking about the two the two women. Uh, their names are Euodia and Syntyche. Now that's a sitcom I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> could be pronouncing this totally wrong. I don't speak any Greek. Um, he tells them to like stop arguing and get along. And he tells everyone to kind of help them. Stop being so moody. Why don't you try smiling? <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing. is like, this is clearly not the same person who said that women should not be able to speak in church. That's right. right. He says that they... Um, contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. And he actually had another line in one of the other epistles where he was like, and also remember these women yes. who helped the development of the church. Yeah. Here's 10 of them. So I, I, I got to say, like, I've become more and more convinced that Paul didn't actually write that. Hmm. I mean, I know that's like, you know. Academic. Uh, like a, a way, common, yeah, yeah. yeah, a common like academic theory. But how could you be like, how can you praise women who have contended, contended? At your side mm -hmm. and then be like, oh, women should just wait till they get home and ask their husbands. Who were there with you in the fourth quarter of the big game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were throwing the Hail Mary pass literally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we got we got a couple good lines in here um, that are that are classics of Sunday school memorization. Um, of course, we have rejoice in the Lord always. And again, and again I, say I say rejoice. rejoice. Do you, OK, wait. You, you knew this song, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Rejoice. Rejoice right, in right, the yeah. Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we totally sang that one Great. in Sunday school. It's a good one. It has so mm -hmm. many different words in it. It's really cherry. Um, 
<laughs> and then uh, uh, we've got uh, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever, whatever is, is pure, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Excellent. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think about such things about is how my things. NIV renders it. God damn it. Uh you mean my memory from years ago is I know, off? My thirty-year-old memories are one hundred percent accurate. So basically, like, stay posy. Mm-hmm. Just like think about good stuff. Um, he also has the decency to thank the Philippians for being the only ones to send him money when he was <laughs> traveling from Macedonia. But he says, you know, I don't need money. But when but... I got your gift, I was like. This is great because I needed money, but it's not like I needed it, needed it. It was just I needed it to live, this is but like, I'm okay with dying. That is like a huge, I feel like whenever he gets near the end of these letters, it starts being this weird, this weird talk about money where it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you to give me money, but it would be great if you would give me money. But like, you know, I've, I, God will take care of me, but I do need some money. But you don't have to. But like, it would be great if, you know. Like God is always taking care of me. Here are examples of ways that God has taken care of me. Uh, a church gave me a money. A church gave me money <laughs> to let me live. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and then there's the uh, the standard, God bless us, everyone, sign out. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, every knee should bow, every tongue hand. confess that oh, Jesus yeah. Christ is Lord. That's another. Or, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me or through Christ who gives me strength, depending on your translation. All just classic. I mean, it, it's actually it's pretty high concentration of classic Bible verses in here for, for how oh, yeah. short and relatively inconsequential this book is i had forgotten how much of philippians i memorized in very at various times as a kid i mean a lot of these verses are very common memory verses there's all, this one is relatively context free too so yeah, it's a that's really true. good source for quotes that mm-hmm. is actually mm-hmm. true because you mm-hmm. won't end up actually being like oh that was the devil that said that like, <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting yeah maybe uh maybe that's part of why this book is so quotable there's not much of a plot right i mean we don't really know Mm-mm. what Eudoia and Syntyche yeah, were arguing be, about. Wouldn't it be interesting to know what they were arguing about? Probably circumcision. Love or money. <laughs> it's got to be love or money, right? I also, I, I, I appreciate that at this point in my Bible reading uh, quest. Yeah, mm-hmm. my, my career. Um, I can tell like, oh yeah, this is definitely Paul. You know? I always think when I when I see like biblical scholars talking about, oh, well, you know, this one probably wasn't written by this person. This one probably was like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I just like that when we read um, Ephesians, it was like, oh, this isn't Paul. Yeah, you can tell. This, this one isn't really Paul. Yeah. And then this one, it's like, mm, yep, we're back on Paul. This is definitely Paul. <laughs> Did you read that this might actually be a compilation of three separate letters, though, that no. were like, spliced together? Tell us but more. most likely from Paul. Well, there's like a couple of really striking breaks, and uh, I wrote them down. Let me find that somewhere in my notes here. Um, so at three, between chapter three, between verses one and two, this is a very sudden theme change. And the notes in the Bible that I was reading this morning also said um, chapter four between verses three and four, it's a sudden break. But that mm. one didn't seem as sudden to me. But three, one to two, it is really like it is really abrupt. So they think maybe they were separate documents. What, what do they say? Precisely. I didn't write that. Down. Oh, OK. Hang on. I don't have a Bible in front hang of me. Hang on. I'll read them. Finally, my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me. And for you, it is a safeguard. Three, two. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, <laughs> beware of those who mutilate the flesh. Oh, okay. So See, he went into like a, a circumcision abrupt, rant. Yeah, but like totally randomly. Okay, but Paul does go into a lot of random circumcision He's, he's, <laughs> he's a shit, shit sandwich specialist where he starts like, hey. He starts with the highfalutin stuff about love. Yeah. We're all saints. He like remembers Jesus. circumcision, freaks out, <laughs> then gets himself back on track with the love stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely got an obsessive personality. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was just suggested in the notes to hmm. the Oxford NRSV that it could be a compilation of three separate letters. But most likely, definitely, that doesn't make sense. Most likely of Pauline authorship. <laughs> definitely, maybe. <laughs> most likely Oasis of Pauline <laughs> authorship. Uh, which, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. There are a lot of common themes that come through in Paul 
but it's interesting that you know you don't see him as as misogynist because I, I still like had him in my head as like very misogynistic i mean that's how i think of him generally mm-hmm. um but i mean i think that i base a lot of that on the was it first corinthians or second corinthians that had this stuff about women wearing veils and or women wearing headscarves rather and then women not being able to talk in church. I think it was First Corinthians. Yeah. And does anyone really dispute that Paul wrote those? Yes. I didn't know that. Bart Ehrman. Hmm. Of all people. Corinthians. Well, yes. not that not that he necessarily didn't write the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But that it but was. But that could be an interpolation. That that, that was added later. Oh, that makes more sense. Because I'm like, wait a minute. I've never oh, heard that yeah, Paul yeah, didn't yeah, write yeah. Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. That the, mm-hmm. the, the majority of the letter is Paul. But that. This could be an interpolation. At some point in the decades before it was like solidified the final draft in the canon somebody added that in okay that's an interesting possibility because like clearly somebody who's like who's taking euodia and and syntyche seriously and Mm -hmm, saying like mm -hmm. not only that they were like on his level contending with him you know but Mm -hmm. that That they were active members in the church that mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. had enough and uh, they were enough of enough consequence that he would address their conflict specifically. And, and his solution is, more... is like, is like y'all need to work this out and, yeah. mm-hmm. and the community mm-hmm. needs to help not you work like it out. Not like you need to keep your women not, in line. Yeah, not like yeah, shut yeah. up and let your husbands work it out. Right. And that is more in line, I think, with how the Gospels present women and their relationship to yes. Jesus. I mean, there are not any female apostles, of course, but, you know, there are there are women in pretty important roles, yes. right? They, they discover the empty tomb. Um, it also is always talking about like, oh yeah, Jesus came and the women and were the women, with him, yeah. Or, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. it it doesn't ever like Just like Mr. T and the women. It it rarely but, names the women. Actually, it'll name a few of the women often. You want to know something really perverse? Uh, yeah, always. <laughs> well, it might not be perverse in the sense that you're thinking. It's just that. Well, that's just getting boring. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I'm kind of sad to give up my view of Paul as a misogynist because I like not liking Paul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's I mean, still an asshole. There's plenty of stuff not to like. Yeah, he's still he's still very he's super insecure. He's very manipulative. He's very manipulative. And there's no doubt he's weird about sex. <laughs> and he definitely has some phobia around sex. And and because he can't talk about it in any human way. And definitely, I think there's an inherent misogyny in that. Yeah, I agree. Um, of being like, well, if husband like it would be great if husbands and wives just didn't have sex. You know, like that's. I feel like that's a fear of the female body, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just I mean, like at a very basic level. Yeah. But I also think that, I mean, he does name women in the church in several epistles. He does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that seems to really be at odds with the idea of like women shouldn't speak and they should just ask their husbands. And he's that's a, a he's, great point. And, and he's a strong church boy. Like the church stuff is what's important to him. So yeah. if he's including women in that, then that's pretty much... And he also says, like, there's... um, What was it in Galatians that he said, like... Uh, oh, neither male nor female? Yeah, neither male yes. nor female. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is, like, you know, not... I mean, I wouldn't... 100%. It's kind of like... In Christ, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, yes. male nor female. So it's not exactly mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like being colorblind or whatever. It's mm. not, you know, it, that's not the approach that I would take to solve sexism, but it's also <laughs> not like the same as. It's not a valueless statement. As yeah. like rank misogyny. Sure. And know. there are scholars who have seen that as a radical statement. There's a scholar named Daniel Bayarin who's written a lot of interesting books and articles. He wrote a book about Paul called A Radical Jew. Hmm. Um, and I mean, he, he does radically diverge from some Jewish principles. Uh, circumcision, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he looks at Paul as um, you know, kind of not not just sort of the beginning of formal Christianity, but sort of a, a breaking point for Judaism. But he recognizes Paul is still in Judaism. And these Pauline mm-hmm. times, he kind of th- thinks of Christians as still as a sect of Judaism. Judaism yeah. And um, yeah, he uses that verse as a hermeneutic key for him. He finds this as a, as a kind of progressive way to look at Paul. And it's, I think it's an interesting analysis. I think you can take some parts. Mm-hmm. Of, some parts of Paul can be progressive. He's still annoying. And he always does tuck in these very beautiful verses about love. But they're always tucked in a bunch of garbage, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, what is what was that whole thing with what I want to do, I do not do, and what I Mm-hmm. And what I do, I do not want to do. Yes, and, but I remember think that from Romans. Yes, I think that's. I like that. I think that was Shakespeare, actually. <laughs> it sounds Shakespearean, right? I feel like it describes um having OCD. 
which yeah. actually I feel like is a like very prevalent throughout the Bible, <laughs> particularly the Old Testament. I mean, it is kind of relatable, right? But it also shows that this is like a tortured soul and yes. maybe like we shouldn't listen to everything he says. Yes, I 100% agree with that. That it's like, I, I, I don't understand why this guy's letters are like holy scripture. They're, you know, <laughs> it's like reading it as this is a person grappling with some issues yeah, definitely. This is a person dealing with like political dissent in an organization. Like he's he's at, at his heart, he is like an organizer yeah. and like mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a political leader. Or like this is a person advancing some new theological innovations, uh, which you know may or may not stand up to the test of time. Sure, and in some cases, building on pre-existing uh, formulae, yeah. hymns. So I mean, there's one of those in Philippians as well. Uh, it's chapter two, verses six through eleven. It's it's clearly a formula. Um, the notes in the Bible that I read said it was probably composed in Aramaic. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys want to look at that passage. I did not write Please. down the whole passage. I mean, I don't have a Bible in front of oh, me. Oh, yeah, which, yeah. Uh, which one? Uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Yeah, just a uh, My notes said that this was would seem to have been a pre-existing hymn probably composed oh, in yeah, Aramaic. Oh, yeah, because it is, um, it's, it's uh, uh, what do you say, formatted, formatted like a hymn. Mm-hmm. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God the Father. Yeah. One very interesting translation difference between the NRSV and the uh, um, NIV there. Uh, I always grew up with, uh, you know, the NIV and equality with God as something to be grasped, not exploited. Yes. That's a huge. Do not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That's a huge difference. I don't know what to make of it. Honestly, these translate, like, I'm so used to, I majored in English. I have a master's degree in creative writing. Which you never stop bragging about. And, (laughs) like, I Diction, like choosing a specific word has always been like such a fundamental thing to me about um, writing in general and reading in general. But then like what I've discovered, especially from doing this podcast um, where we read different versions of the Bible, is that the words are different. Like the translations are different and and the like very precise diction that I would think would be necessary to interpreting the word of God. Like. You can't do that if you're reading it in English mm-hmm. or any language aside from like Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, you know, depending on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Basically, um, it's impossible to follow Jesus. <laughs> you simply can't. How can you follow an act like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do try to. I mean, I've tried to argue, including at my, my website on my blog, Not Your Mission Field, you know, that there isn't one. I see a lot of people saying that like Trump voting Christians, for example, I know we're not supposed to get too political on this podcast, are fake Christians, right? Mm-hmm. I wrote yes. a whole essay arguing that, no, they're not. Yes. They are people who read the Bible in a very specific way. They get certain ideas out of it. You know, they, they have a practice. They go to church regularly. They do devotionals in the morning. Right? These are Christian communities. Um, the thing is that you can't, there's, there isn't just sort of one magical set of Jesus's teachings right. that everyone will agree on. And a lot of people really don't like that. Yes. Across the spectrum. Like, people who aren't Christian want to say, these people aren't Christian. They're not following Jesus. Right, because they want to think of religion as basically benign, which is uh, very American. You know, I mean, that's a widespread attitude in America. But we have a lot of, of, of religious people, certainly not all, you know, who are extremists. And um, fundamentalism is something that arises in every religious tradition at least every monotheistic tradition and it's not something that you can root out I'm sure or say that or say Hindu fundamentalists say too. Fake. Oh, there totally are. I mean, they engage in violence against Muslims. Right. So, yeah, I I I totally agree. I'm I'm in 100% agreement that you can't say like that's they're not really Christian. I think I need to write a follow-up piece called Yes, Virginia, there is a right-wing Jesus. <laughs> Because, you know, Jesus has some hard sayings. Like, all these people are like, <laughs> okay, but that, all these people are like, okay, but but that's Paul. Or, okay, but that's the Old Testament. Well, Jesus does say no divorce. <laughs> Jesus also says that he came not to bring peace but a sword. Yes. You know? And uh, he says, let the dead bury their own dead. When he's like, remember, he tells those guys like, hey, follow me. And they're like, but we're having a funeral. It's really important. And he's like, well, I'm more important than your funeral. 
you know, or like the whoever does not hate, whoever you. does not hate his mother or brother, yeah, uh, cannot follow me. Yes, Virginia, there is a fucking right wing <laughs> Jesus. You know? Yes, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how the American modern conception of Jesus is like just this really super nice guy who's like infinitely patient, infinitely kind. Basically like the South Park Jesus. And I am not familiar with the South Park Jesus. <laughs> and I, I, I bet he's edgy. I don't care to become acquainted with I've him. Never, However, seen. there's like the Jesus in the Bible. There's some of that for sure. Mm. But there's also other sides to him. In the it's Bible. interesting how the Jesus in the Bible exemplifies both very human traits and very godly traits. Like he, you know, can basically see the future and is omniscient in a certain kind of way. But he's also like very impatient with people and, and their failings. doesn't want to suffer. doesn't want to have to suffer the cross. Yeah, which seems like mm-hmm. you, those would be opposite things to me. Like if you could see the path of how everything went, you'd be like, of course, you know. And if you had, you know, supposedly been around since creation, you would think that like, of these, these dudes not getting something for like a day yeah. would not be that <laughs> Or that you would have to, explain, you have to explain something you know, just twice. Not you, just <laughs> you could get into some pretty heady, heady stuff that actually is related to Philippians because, I mean, remember that verse where it says that he emptied himself, right? Um, there's, a, there's this concept of kenosis hmm. in theology, a kind of self-emptying. So Christ did pretty not Pretty sure that have... was a sin in the Old Testament, <laughs> if I remember right. The sin of Onan. Mm. <laughs> That would, yeah, it would be a different kind of self. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that made me think I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, it really was. Because I promised God I would stop masturbating. Of course. <laughs> every single Christian kid has this problem. Like, honestly. Male, female, like everyone. Um, Is it time to read this book? I think it's time to read the book. <laughs> How would you rate this book, my dear? I am going to give it uh, th- three out of... Five mutilators of the flesh. Nice. Um, I love them. It's. I saw them live, and <laughs> I almost died. They fucking melted my face off, mm-hmm. bruh. Um, I think that it's kind of. I'm. It's kind of like an inoffensive book. Mm. It doesn't have a whole lot of substance, but it also doesn't have a whole lot of bullshit. So I'm giving it like a little over half. I will give it something very similar. I mean was going to give it five out of nine evil workers. <laughs> nice. For, Those are the same. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for, for, two things to be aware of, yeah. kids. Mutilators of the flesh and evil workers. They're coming for your wangus. <laughs> Spiritually. Spiritually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for very similar reasons. I feel like it's a very nice encapsulation of Paul's philosophy in just a couple of pages. Uh, or at least highlights of it. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't get the nitty gritty of this and that. But that's better. <laughs> I, that's why. I th- that's what I think as yeah. well. It, it gives him less opportunity to get deep into the weeds on some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, also, when he does write about love, it's it's quite nice. And, and the first chapter and a half or so are just instructions about, hey, act more like Christ. Be forgiving and be radically generous. And you know what? It's hard to argue against that stuff. Um, then... It's a little weird. I mean, I have some like psychological problems with. I don't think you should value others above yourself because I think that just leads to like resentment. Mm. But I do value generosity and and selflessness. But you gotta also like take care of yourself first. It's like put on your own oxygen mask before you put on your child's. Right. right. I can honestly say that it was this kind of stuff in the Bible and when it was emphasized in sermons and that sort of thing that I think really contributed to me, um, yeah, you know, hating myself. Yeah. I agree. And, and thinking that uh, just having a very difficult time even grasping that you can you not only can love yourself, but you need to love yourself. Mm. Yes. And like that you that you should have self-esteem. And in fact, that you can be more generous to others once you have yourself taken care of. Mm. But like I said, you can't argue with. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Strippy, what's your rating? <laughs> uh, I think. I will go with fairly similar. I'll I'll go with uh, 11 out of 22 harvests of righteousness. Excellence. Mm-hmm. You're giving it a solid 50%, a failing grade. <laughs> well, if you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, as you said, it's, it is a kind of distillation of Pauline philosophy. It's short. It's quotable. It doesn't have anything really spectacular in it, though. Mm. And, you know, it has a little bit of that annoying Paul being manipulative stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's fine. It's short. It's 
it doesn't have too much bullshit in it. Yeah, you know, okay, <laughs> this sometimes, sometimes Nico and I like to like uh, nitpick apart every song we hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you hear a song where it's like not great, but it's real short. Like it gets in and it gets out and it does what it wants to do. It's got like, it's got one idea and the idea is like, idea is like a C minus idea. But like it gets in, it does it and it gets out and yeah. it doesn't like mm-hmm. waste your time. You know, it's yeah. like, here's my idea. We're doing it. Done. And, and so I feel like that's kind of what Philippians is. Yeah. I it's can like that. it's like a middling radio hit that <laughs> that knows that you know, it's got what it's got and it's and that's all it's got. But if you've got a C minus idea and you think it's an A plus and you treat it that way, that's and, like Romans. And you're like you're <laughs> leaning on it, you know, and you're like, why would we have a bridge? Like why would we ever yeah. go away from this? This yeah. is so solid. People Do we just, really need this like two minute guitar solo or it's whatever? It's like, no, yeah. it should be six minutes. <laughs> you know? And then you lean hard into a C minus idea, then it turns into an F song. That's yeah. just how it goes. Mm-hmm. But you can make a C minus idea into like a B minus song. Yeah. Just by That's what I think Philippians yeah. is. Yeah, maybe it should be a little bit higher than half, but you know. It's got many of not the, much, no, you've though. spoken and you cannot take it back. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's I gave it my rating fucking 11 stone out of 22. Now. Uh, yeah, it's got many of the greatest hits as far as the verses go, individual verses. That's true. It does have a higher but, concentration yeah. of, of classic verses. Um, so we have one mailbag letter, okay, which is uh, we received an email from listener Cheap Fast. Which was not spam, <laughs> but I thought it was going to be when I received an email from Cheap Fast. Uh, and he said he liked our our coverage of Apocrypha and wondered if we might do texts like Pilgrim's Progress, another felt board classic. Did you have? Oh, the... absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, or Parts of Paradise Lost. Um, we're looking at doing stuff like that for season three. Uh, we're not really sure what we want to do for that, but listeners, if you have opinions on what we should do for season three, we'd love to hear them. Contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. But that will do it for today's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. Uh, Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at chrisstroop.com. I've got a blog there called Not Your Mission Field. I write a lot about ex-evangelical and other ex-fundamentalist issues, some criticism of the Christian right. It's got a resources no. page. As- <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it's got a resources page for people coming out of um, fundamentalist and evangelical backgrounds. You or know. even just like mainline Christian backgrounds. Sometimes I think it's that can be traumatizing too. Yeah. So religious trauma is a, a real thing. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at C underscore Stroop. And um, I also created the hashtag you don't know evangelicals. You've um, created a couple of hashtags. Christian alt facts also yeah. trend, trended once. Yes. Uh, well, maybe more than once. Um, these are kind of used both to help the ex-evangelical community come together and to kind of raise awareness in the wider community of how extremist, uh, you know, the vast majority of white evangelical Protestants are. Um, so I think that's important. <laughs> it is. <laughs> At this point in time. Um, I've also been a pretty regular contributor to the online religion magazine, Religion Dispatches, and got a couple things on, uh, picked up by Salon and Alternate. So yeah, you can find me around on the internet. Uh, you can contact me through my website or on Twitter. Uh, for building broader ex-fundamentalist community that would include things like people from ultra-Orthodox Judaism or Muslim backgrounds or just any kind of fundamentalist background, we use the hashtag left the fold. Oh, nice. And uh, I do search these hashtags and I'm happy to interact with people on Twitter. So come say hello. Awesome. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. I do absolutely nothing of import. I <coughs> complain about... Uh, waiting in line. Her Twitter is awesome. Everybody should follow it. <laughs> you can follow the show on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. You can also find us on Facebook by looking for at Sunschool Drop or Sunday School Dropouts. And you can follow Nico on SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash Nico Bakulich, N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. If SoundCloud still exists, it has music from the show and also uh, music that Nico's doing with his bands. That's correct. If it still exists. Yeah, it's it's a thing. don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also always email us at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Not sundayschooldropouts.com, but sundayschooldropouts.lol. If you want to help other people find the show and, frankly, pump up our self-esteem a little bit, uh, one of the 
things that you can do is to leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can whatever be like, it's called now. I don't understand. Be, don't, don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Okay, you can be like one of the clever, sexy people who left us a review, such as Hyrax two three two, who described us as fun for sorta Jews. Or Bitter Melanie, who gave us 12 out of 12 slutty feminist lions. <laughs> or Book Addict 75, who said, we are 10 out of 10 biblical feet. Um, and also, of course, when we get 100 reviews, Nico has to join Twitter. Do it. We're at, we're at 75 American ones, and then we have like six from Canada and six from the UK. What's the conversion rate? Wait, they don't count? <laughs> well, it's just that we can't see them, so we have to add them separately. So 75 plus 6 is 81. Plus six is 87. And we have at least one in Australia, so that's 88. So we only need 12 more. Like the disciples. <laughs> we need one for each disciple. And then Nico has to join Twitter. You guys, we have to get Nico on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that people are really invested in this. Um, <laughs> if you want us to bless or curse your pets, send them to contact at Sunday School Dropouts. Gotta get Wall. those pictures. You need to see pictures. It's all standard stuff that you've heard on a thousand podcasts before. Obs. Anyway, I want to thank Chris again for being on the show tonight. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Besides that, my name is Nico. I'm Lauren. And we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye. your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.